Good morning, everyone. You're such an excited, excitable bunch, and I love it. <clears throat> Might pull back just a little bit. I feel pretty, pretty hot here. I got the attention of the room. Hey, before, obviously this morning we have a little bit of a different sermon. We're not going to have five sermons, okay? You're welcome. <clears throat> Although they would be phenomenal. Well, four of the five would be amazing. Uh, I'm going to give two, two quick announcements. I was going to do this at the end of service, and I thought, I know myself. I'm going to forget. So I'm going to do this very briefly, and then I'm going to introduce Mike. Well, I just introduced him. His name is Mike. And then we're going to start. We have a panel this morning. But the first announcement is all the guys in the house. Tonight, we have a fire pit evening at the Colicott's house. And you should have, if you've been around here any length of time, received at least two, if not three emails in the last week and a half. But I'm looking around, and I see so many new faces and faces of those maybe from other New Life congregations, or maybe you've never been in any of the New Life congregations and you're brand new. And I just want to say welcome. My name is Jonathan. I'm the executive and the worship pastor. Our senior pastors, Jade and Christy Duncan, are out of town for a couple of weeks. Uh, but fear not, we have an outstanding message for today. But all of that was just to say, if you haven't been here, you're not on any email lists, we have an open night tonight for all the guys who would like to come. You can bring your sons. We're just going to be hanging around a fire pit. I'm going to give a brief word, and we're just it's going to be a time of connection. All of the details are on our website, which leads me to my next announcement. If you look around the room, and particular, actually, don't look around the room right now because you won't see them. But if you look in the lobby and in the bathrooms and on all of the hand sanitizer dispensers, you'll notice we've replaced the name hand sanitizer. Now that we're a year and a half in, we've all figured out what hand sanitizing stations look like. So we thought we'd utilize that space a little better. There are QR codes on the top. So you pull out your phone, open your camera, hit the QR code with your camera, and it should pull you up automatically to the Midtown events page. Isn't it genius? We're doing our best to keep you in the know and keep you connected. So whip out your phone anytime you see one. There's about eight of them all throughout the building, and it'll take you right to our events page. And on that events page is all the information for the men's event tonight. There are lots of other things that I'm not going to give you information for right now. The last and final announcement is Pastor Jay two weeks ago gave an appeal for ministry crew. Simply put, ministry crew is the name that we entitle our serving ministry. So all the aspects of New Life Midtown and serving in anything from visuals to worship teams, security, children's ministry, the list goes on. We really need volunteers for the fall. So if you are able to serve in any capacity and we have high, high responsibility, high commitment jobs, and we also have some, if you don't have lots of time that you can give, but you want to serve some, we have a place for you. So after service, we're going to have popcorn in the front lobby, and we're also going to have people on iPads and or computers in this lobby. If you would like to sign up to serve here at New Life Midtown, please take three to five minutes right after service and go out there and do that. All right, guys, that's the end of the announcements. This is Mike Rice. Mike is... Woo, Mike is one of the, the leaders of our men's ministry here at New Life Midtown, and this morning he is going to be facilitating a panel on how do we manage our money. Take it away, Mike. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Good morning, everybody. How are you? It's fun to be here. It's fun to be here. 
So yeah, let's uh, let's get this let's get this uh, started off. My name, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mike Rice. Yes, I am involved in the uh, men's ministry here at, and occasionally you might hear one or two of us accidentally saying Antioch. Forgive us for that. It's it, we a lot of us have eight, ten, fifteen years of it being Antioch. So we're happy about New Life Midtown, but sometimes the lingo is uh, a little bit slow to follow. Um, so I've been here at uh, New Life Midtown for eight years in October, involved in the men's ministry as well as on the security team. And uh, before we go any further, I'd like each one of our panel members to uh, introduce themselves. It helps if you turn the mic on. I'm Sarah Kinnearum. Um My husband Seth and I and our five girls have been here at Antioch for nine and a half years or so. Did I just say Antioch? Yeah. I, you planted it, man. No, I'm I just have kidding. a prophetic gifting. I do. I do screw that up too. It's New Life Midtown, and we are happy to be here and a part of that community. Um, I also direct the women's ministry here at Antioch. <laughs> New Life Midtown. I'm going to say it 10 times during this just to get it in my head. And who asked her to be on the panel? Who could we? Who, right? Who was that? Shoot. Already Jonathan, fired. was that your idea? Yeah. Um, I direct the women's ministry here. We may or may not be having an event on August 27th as well, which I won't need to announce because there's QR codes to tell you all of that. Um, yeah, I'm really thankful to be here. My husband owns a business um, that is commission and sales based, so we know what it means to um, work and live by faith sometimes and just trust the Lord. Um, I've also started multiple small businesses by myself, so this is my money experience. Um, we won't talk about how many have failed, but there's been lessons learned. <laughs> hey, I'm Colin Henry. My wife is Allegra. We like long walks on the beach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Allegra pulled me here back when it was Antioch, but uh, I've been here now two and a half-ish years. Um, I'm a financial advisor in town, and so I help people with their money. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Well, bless the Lord. <laughs> My name is Adron Smith, and it is a great honor to be before you. My wife, Tamara, just led that beautiful song. I'm working on points, y'all. <laughs> yeah, we've been here almost 10 years here at Midtown. <laughs> I gotta say it, amen. And uh, I own a small business. My wife works for Fox 21, she's a salesperson. And, and uh, just a few money experiences that we've been through over the years, amen. Amen. So when, when Pastor Jonathan asked me to moderate this panel, uh, it, what just came to me immediately was uh, when, when anytime you talk about finances and money, particularly when you're in a church setting, um, that's not always a woohoo, right? Uh, finances can often be hard. They're often some of the most wounded places in our lives. Um, and so what I wanted to do is I really wanted to start this off by addressing that a little bit. And um, I want to get to, I wanna get to our, our, our panelists as quickly as we can, but I think it's really important to kind of lay a foundation for where this is at and where, you know, where New Life Midtown is at. Uh, you know, finances are hard, especially when, you, when you're struggling with them, they're hard. So often we identify our self-worth with the amount of money we make and with where our finances are at. And that, unfortunately, can sometimes be uh, exacerbated or made worse 
if you've been to a church where they tend to spend a lot of time focusing on money and where there's sometimes it's spoken, sometimes it's unspoken, where if you're not firing on all eight cylinders financially, then clearly something's wrong with your walk with the Lord and we need to get you fixed. Uh, and there can be a lot of shame, a lot of guilt that can come out of that. I mean, and so I wanted to, right out of the gate, just disassemble that and tear that down and to say that every aspect in our lives God wants to redeem. Every aspect in our lives is inherently broken because we are sinful and in need of a Savior. But finances, just like anything else, God wants to redeem for his glory. And he wants it to be a place for us of peace and a piece where we say, yes, God is moving here. And he doesn't, you know, scripture says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation in your finances, right? And I can assure you that I have made massive mistakes in my finances, massive. Uh, and I know everybody else sitting up here on the panel. Really? So I have to turn, turn this one off? We hear you, but just Okay. Sorry about that. It sounded really clear to me. Oh, what does that say? Um, so that, that we want this to be something that is redeeming and is pulling off of all shame. And if you find that as we're going through this, that you're kind of getting defensive or you're feeling things coming up that it's like, oof. I, I believe, we believe that's an invitation. God's sending you an invitation to do a deep dive into your finances and to really say, okay, God, there's pain here. There's brokenness here. What do you have for me in this? And a 30 to 40 minute panel discussion is not going to do the whole thing. This is simply a jumping off point. This is an invitation to, hey, let's have the conversation. This is to, to say... Right? So does, does that all make sense, guys? So I'm just real quickly, I'm going to say in the name of Jesus, any shame, any condemnation, any past woundings, we cover that in the blood of Jesus. We declare, God, that you are a good God and that your redemption and that your blessing and your abundance is in every aspect of our life. And we call that forth now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay? So the idea is this is, this is not shame. This is not guilt. This is not we're better than you. This is let's just talk about what God's plan is for our money and that there's healing in that. Yeah. Sound good? Yeah, Fantastic. Okay. Uh, I'm going to real quickly have my beautiful 30 years in a week and a half, 30 years in a week and a half, that beautiful woman back there, uh, that beautiful woman back there. Would you put up those five points on the screen? And I'm going to spend, I'm literally just going to say them. And if you're a note taker, take these notes down because we're not necessarily going to dive into each one of these points. But I believe that these points, if you're looking to do a deep dive, it's a real, these are some really great points to jump into. And I assure you that there is a plethora of scriptures to back up each one of them. The first one is we can absolutely rely on God's promises, but there's no formulas in this. Just ask Job, right? <laughs> the, the second one, money is a tool. It's a resource. And that's all it is. There's no inherent spirituality to money. God looks to redeem our finances, just like everything else in our lives, for his glory and his kingdom. Amen. The third thing is, is that money contends for our affections and will seek to replace God, just like everything else. We achieve God's best stewardship when we fully operate in the truths of scripture and the truths that are in the natural world. And when I say the natural world, we're talking about things that we see cause and effect 
in your in, in in the financial world, in your working world, in your career, those two in alignment and working with each other will allow you to walk in the most stewardship that God has for you. And lastly, just like in everything else, God gives each one of us different skills and abilities in the realm of finances. Not all of us, I don't think anybody in this room, has the skills or ability to be a Jeff Bezos, right? So th there's the parable of the talents. That applies to everything we do in life, including finances. So having said that, let's get on to the panel because this is where the good stuff is right over here. So Sarah, let's, I want to I start with you and we're going to give you a really, really easy question to start off with. <laughs> you have got some, you, you've got a fantastic summary of and, and kind of a great biblical perspective on how, what the Bible has to say kind of at the 30,000 foot level of what our relationship with money is supposed to be. Easy question, right? So uh, please delve into that. Yeah. Um, when asked that, like on the perspective of money that we see in Proverbs and overall in scripture, I feel like we can base it down or boil it down to that thing that we boil a lot of things down to. And that is love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength and love others around you. And I feel like if we come into our finances with that perspective, um, it helps us to simplify and know what to do sometimes in those tough places. Um, I feel like even in Proverbs, we see that our relationship with money management is not just intellectual, but it's relational. Um, I don't think God is worried like up, up in heaven, worried about our money, like looking down on us. I think that God is worried about, not worried, but concerned and cares for our hearts. And because he cares for our hearts, he cares about what we do with our money. Amen. Um, and the other thing I was going to say was, um, yeah, there's the verse in Proverbs 23, 26, which I think kind of emphasizes this. It, it's like a father talking to a son and he says, son, give me your heart, son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. And I think that when we look at scripture with our money management in mind, and we focus on gaining wisdom through these Proverbs, through these truths, um, but we also attach that with the fear of the Lord, which is what Proverbs is all, all about. Um, we're more likely to succeed with our money. That's awesome. So I want to unpack, if you would mind unpacking for us a little bit, how do we love God with our money? What is that? I mean, yes, there's, there's the, the, there's typically what people are tithing, but drill down on that a little bit yeah. in terms of what, yeah. Flesh that out. Okay, I'm going to read a couple other Proverbs. Proverbs 23, 4 says, Don't weary yourself to gain wealth. Proverbs 11, 4 says, Riches don't profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And then down in verse 28, it says, He who trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous flourish like a green leaf. And automatically, I think, seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness will be added to you, or and, and his righteousness and all of this will be added unto you. We are not relying on money. We are relying on the righteousness that comes from Jesus. And we all get that, right, as sons and daughters. No matter what our bank account says, no matter how many toys I have in the garage or don't have, my identity and my faith is found solely in Jesus, and that is what is our firm foundation. And I realize I did not answer your question one bit. <laughs> what was your, I don't even know what your question was. <laughs> I just wanted to say, <laughs> sorry. No, that was fantastic. And that's why we have two services. There we go. 
This is just the warm-up. So, Colin, you, you're in the business. I mean, you are a professional financial advisor by trade. So you have, I mean, you've got a long walk with the Lord. Uh, my experience with you is you, I mean, you have a deep, deep knowledge and love of, of God's word. Um, but you also work in the financial industry, you know, nine to five. Tell us kind of what you, what do you want to say to, to us this morning um, from the perspective of, of having walked with hundreds, if not thousands of people uh, in, in, in their financial lives? Yeah, I think uh, that, you know, what I was going to really talk on is trusting God, but also showing up to work, right? That, that tension, um, you know, I think you could pray for money, but if you're not actually going and getting some, you won't get some. So, and, and I know <laughs> that was real, really, uh, try, try, talk with one hand and keep that mic. Okay. Yeah. So John will go into more detail about that, uh, coming up, but like, you know, I think we have to remember that the beginning of wisdom or fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So everything starts from him. And so when we're, and I think you answered it perfectly of like, how do you love God, um, with your money's pursuing him first and foremost. I mean, Jesus said you can't serve money and mammon. He didn't say you can't serve money and, or I mean, God and other, uh, sorry, God and mammon, God and other idols. But that one specific, there's something there when, when you're pursuing the Babylonian system, the things of this world, it's really hard to also serve God wholeheartedly. You're, you're compromising on one side or the other. And so um, the verse I was going to kind of tee this off is Proverbs 8, uh, 15 through 19. It just says, by me, kings reign. And this is wisdom speaking. So by wisdom, uh, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, prin- oh, uh, princes govern and nobles, all who rule the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches, honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold and I yield and it surpasses choice silver. Um, so, it, you know, I think if we're pursuing ultimately Jesus, but wisdom, all the lower things come into play. If we're pursuing those lower things, we're, you know, we're settling short ultimately. Um, and then the other thing is we've got to remember is Deuteronomy 8.18. Um, you know, this is when God was talking to Israel and he said, when you all do well, when you're, you're going to be blessed, remember that I ultimately gave you the ability to do this. And so I think everything we have, our gifts, talents, et cetera, come from him. Um, and so those two things in tension are, you know, how we trust the Lord ultimately and then show up to work. And again, Sidron's really going to go into diligence, but the two words come up for me are diligence and discipline. You have to have both. Like you can be diligent and work all your life, but not be disciplined with your finances and, and, and you have nothing to show for the end at the end of it. Or likewise, probably you could be disciplined and not spend any money, but not be diligent, not work. And what's, you know, what's the point of that? So yeah, those two. Um, and so verses that really highlight those are Proverbs twelve eleven, uh, says, does it show yet? One second. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Uh, do, uh, that's not it either. Proverbs twelve eleven. Uh, it's basically saying work your land and don't chase fantasies. Yeah. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Um, and so, you know, you got to be diligent and, you know, what, God, what land God's given you, work that land, you know. Um, and, and, then, and then the other verse about discipline is Proverbs uh, thirteen eleven. 
and it, uh, dishonest money dwindles away. Some say some versions have that, like quick money that comes in dwindles away. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. And so everyone wants to invest in Apple, you know, the 40 years ago, or you know, whatever, and, and there, or you know, win the lotto. Um, there's no get rich quick scheme. It's those that are diligent and disciplined seem to succeed. And again, if we hold intention, trusting in the Lord, ultimately uh, 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 as the uh, the benefactor of favor to us, I think it'll. Yeah, one thing I want to say about that, Colin, and then Sidron, I'm super excited to hear what you've got to say. Uh, When Colin talks about holding trust and diligence in intention, which is there's a way of thinking about, and it it, it can, it can be attention. You're like, God, there's all these things to do. When you look at it as opportunity that God has provided, I think it changes the way we look at it. It's like, Lord, you are my provision, right? And there's the, Colin, you had a verse out of Ecclesiastes. Was that your verse out of Ecclesiastes? No. Somebody had it. He's Deuteronomy, sorry. Deuteronomy 8, 18. Hun, can you put that one on? Deuteronomy 8, 18. Deuteronomy and Ecclesiastes are not really similar either. I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding. You'll have to find another. You'll have to find another moderator I'm next kidding. time. Yeah. So, but remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant which He swore to your ancestors. Right. As it is today. I mean that that's powerful, Hun. Could you go back to the the beginning again? But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And when we get out in front of our skis, so to speak, is when we start thinking that our ability to produce wealth is coming from ourselves, right? And when we're out there, and I mean, let, let's be honest, the modern-day workplace is a grind. It's hard. I mean, it's the, there's with all of the technology that is out there, there has been an expectation that efficiencies will also rise. And so as a people, we are unbelievably efficient, and we are unbelievably productive, and it's easy to kind of get lost in that and take that deep breath and go, oh, all of this opportunity, and, and I think really how we phrase things matters, this opportunity comes from the Lord, and I'm going to steward it to the best of my abilities and trying to find the joy and, and, and the, the testimony to who God is in his faithfulness. Does that make sense? Yeah. One last thing I want to, I think that's important to keep in mind is as a society, we, we work really, really hard, right? I mean, there's, I mean, the, for, I know most folks, the 40 hour week work week seems to have dwindled away. And now it's almost like the 50 hour work week is seemingly the standard. Most times there is a huge thing that we have lost in a bit. And, and this is preached from this stage constantly. Uh, and it's a good thing that the Sabbath is something that we've lost. And this, without Sabbath, leads to burnout and leads to a lot of things. This needs to be what we're talking about. That diligence needs to be taken into a combination in conjunction with Sabbath because it's there and there, there's a reason it's there. And we've lost that as a society. And we're seeing the results. So, Duran, let's talk some more about this diligence thing. Amen. Amen. I got one amen on the front. I appreciate that Um, diligence. You know, I believe that every one of us in here are valuable. And I think you got to start with that God has made you valuable. 
a lot of times when we go to work, we don't act like, well, let me put it on me so I won't offend you. I don't act like I'm valuable, so I don't do things to excellence. I don't, I don't move in an excellent spirit because I don't act like I'm valuable. I don't make myself valuable. Hey, thank you. So what am I saying? Diligence has something to do with your value and who you value you are. If you're valuable and you make yourself valuable in the workplace, have you ever been around those people that they always call on that person because they know everything about that particular area? Are y'all in here? Have you ever seen that before? I was the opposite of that person. (laughs) They wouldn't call on me for nothing because I was barely doing things, just barely getting by, just barely making that check, not making myself valuable. So when promotions came, of course I got looked over. Are y'all hearing something? When I was in that place, of course I got looked over. I didn't make, I didn't hail myself as being valuable. You're bought with a price. Jesus has made you valuable. We talked about the talents early on, on how each of us have a specific talent. God has given that unto us. There are things that you can do that I can't do. There are things that I can do that you can do probably. But, <laughs> but y'all understand what I'm saying. You compliment that workplace. I remember a time when I first met my wife. She was delivering hospital beds and 600-pound oxygen tanks. Was it 600 pounds? Okay, I may I have played that. It's 170 pounds. <laughs> I was this close, right? <laughs> Caught a fish this big. And and she was so diligent in doing that, and all of a sudden there's a job that came available for her to be a salesperson. And she told herself no before she even put in a request or an application to be that. Never tell yourself no. Not before you put your application in. Let them tell you no, but there won't be no because all the promises of God are yes and amen. So we got to give ourselves a yes. She put her, uh, her application in and they chose her for the position. And then not only did they choose her, but she was one of the best salesmen out of that whole place. No training, no schooling, none of that stuff because of everything that she had in her. And she allowed the Lord to work through her. Then she made herself valuable in that place. I'm reminded of Daniel. Daniel was that guy. The Bible says that he had an excellent spirit upon him. He had an excellent spirit. He he distinguished himself amongst the satraps and the governors that was in that place. Why? Because he wanted to make himself valuable. See, when you got God working on the inside of you, I know you didn't gave me this mic, man. I probably should give it back. But when you got God working on the inside of you, Dusty, when I wink at you, just shut him off. Yeah, just just close me off here. But when you got God working on the inside of you, what can be refused from you? When you got God working on the inside of you, you can be excellent. You are excellent. So be excellent and be diligent with your hands. The book of Proverbs, that's what we're coming out. It says, he who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. Don't want to do anything. Letting everything just fall aside. It's like an assembly line when you have those boxes coming down and they just slow to move. Like, man, get these boxes on the truck. What is wrong with you? Move. You know, that was Proverbs 18 and 9. But Proverbs 22 and 29 says, do you see a man who excels in his work? 
he will stand before kings and not before mean men or unknown men. When you excel with what you do, when you make yourself valuable, when you go home and study on what to do in your particular work field, you will stand before kings. People will take notice of you. I had a, a guy working with me. He only worked with me for three weeks. And then he left and got married and moved away. I was a little upset by that. <laughs> because he made himself valuable in what I did. He would do things. He would come and he would think about things that I needed done before I even thought about things that I needed done. He made himself valuable. I told him I would increase his pay, but that didn't work. I guess being married was more valuable than working <laughs> in my business. That's fair. But when you think about Daniel, when you think about him, he was diligent. He was dedicated unto the Lord. He did everything as unto the Lord. Yes, people hated him for it, but he was valuable in where he was. And he was determined. He was determined in prayer. You can see that through him praying 21 days. He was determined. This is Daniel, and this is a spirit that I think that we should have, and that is to make ourselves valuable. I need to put that paper down. Colin's making himself valuable. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's making himself valuable over here. When we go into the workplace, go and make money. When you're making yourself valuable, the promotions will come because God is our promoter. He's seeing that you're diligent in your work. But a lot of us, well, I'm going to say me because I don't want you to be upset. We need to get outside the, the confines of our, just our job. We can make ourselves as valuable as we can, but God has put talents in you to go start something, maybe. To go outside the four walls and making yourself valuable in that. He has given you the power to obtain wealth in your hands. What dreams and gifts have God given unto you? I know I'm probably getting off topic, but go ahead. No, that's good, man. But I think it's a great place to, to wrap that section, but that's, that's fantastic. Colin, you and I, in, in, as we were kind of working, working out the bugs in this thing, you had mentioned that in, in your line of work, you tend to see a lot of people either over-planning or under-planning. And we're gonna, we're not, this is not going to turn into a Roth IRA versus Simple IRA conversation, I promise. <laughs> But can you unpack that a little bit in kind of terms of kind of those two tendencies you see and, and, and kind of what the, the, the spiritual ramification is of that and, and how, we want, how we want to do that as believers? Yeah, uh, sure. I see a lot of people that either don't do any planning whatsoever, right, no discipline, like just work, 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 and then they're 75 and they still have to work because not that retirement's necessarily the goal, but I'm sure that they look back in their life and say, I, I wish I'd made some other decisions earlier on. Um, so there, there's those lines of people. Uh, there's also, I see people that, you know, save, save, save their entire life. And then that discipline is a great discipline, but trying to get them to spend money in retirement is like pulling teeth, right? It's like, go enjoy a trip. And I, I think truly, that's why I say pursuing wisdom is so important because God is going to call us into seasons of living generously. He's also like, if you're going through school, getting your master's, whatever it might be, there's times where it just looks different. And I think that's where the Holy Spirit will really guide us and direct us into wisdom of how should I be living now? Um, you know, you can over plan and, and, and check all the boxes and then die in your fifties, you know, uh, and, and, 
what was the point of, of living that way? And then you can, again, just do nothing. And, and God still blesses that. I see people that, you know, get an inheritance and they've, they've done nothing in their life and they're okay then. And it's, it's just God's grace. It's uh, I, actually the verse uh, I think I put on, is it John eleven sixteen? 16? Um, the message version is really cool. It says, uh, was that it? No. Okay. I botched that completely. Hold up. Uh, 1611. Did I tell you 1116? My bad. Oh, good. We've got a financial advisor that transposes numbers. Uh, I thought the church was supposed to be I a I still safe may place. have messed up. I'm just going to give you, the, the message version says it's, it's from great, God or Jesus has given us gift after gift after gift. It's talking about what he's done for us. And, and that could also lead into a conversation about giving. And I'd love to talk more about that too. But, um, and I lost my train of thought all completely already. But yeah, just know, I, I see you, you can do all of the things and check all the boxes, but I think you have to really seek wisdom first. And he's going he's gonna to tell you, God's going to show you what's important. That's great. And I would probably summarize, if I were to try to take a word to summarize what you were describing, it's stewardship. It's knowing that you have been given, Alex has given me like a, 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 an applause, wow. It's stewardship. It's about this is what I have been entrusted with. And I don't believe that God calls us to save every penny. Saving is good and saving is something we need to do, but the Proverbs are just chock full about generosity, right? I mean, we've already got hit a whole bunch of them, and there's more out there, I promise. So it's about generosity, but also looking to the future, taking care of the needs that are, you know, your daily bread. I got to buy groceries. I got to pay the rent, pay the mortgage. And so it's that stewardship that good stewardship is going to come out of what Sarah was talking about, which is getting the whole, getting your whole heart and your whole mind in that right place. Of we're here to love the Lord our God, and to love each other, and that stewardship is going to flow out of that. I was. I was going to say one of the biggest things in my life that has botched all of that up is when I try to make fear and money in the have both of them in my life. I feel like fear will make you afraid and save it all, and fear will make you afraid you don't have enough and go out and buy it all, a.k.a. toilet paper 2020. Um, so a lot of times when I see mismanagement in our house and in our lives, I have to think, okay, where is fear trying to creep in and make me do something out of balance? Can I mention something? There's actually, there, I do know this verse is correct. Proverbs 13.8. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, a person's riches may ransom their life, but the poor cannot respond uh, to threatening rebukes. Some versions say the poor hears no threat. And this verse never made any sense to me until Chris Green one time said, the next move of God will probably be done through people have nothing to lose versus your very famous evangel evangelicals. And so this verse, the, 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 a man's wealth is his, the ransom of his life. It holds him, in, holds him in captive. Like that, like what you say about mixing fear with money, when you have something to lose, you make decisions differently than someone who doesn't. And so that's where I think when we're pursuing Jesus, he's going to keep our hearts soft and where we can be the, the, the people he needs us to be. That's great. This is all great. Amen. If I will, fear and money, you know, I used to hold a dollar so tight that George Washington was, is George Washington right? He was going to pop off of that thing. 
I held it so tight, you know, wouldn't give it. If I gave it, it was only in one place, Burger King. <laughs> or somewhere like that, you know, for necessity. But I found that generosity, you know, you can't be God-giving. So when you, ha you develop a heart of being generous and a heart of giving and a heart, it just oozes out of you. And then all of a sudden, things start landing in your lap. Not for you just to hold and keep, but to give. And like you said, Sarah, the fear of holding on to that money, the fear of just keeping it in my pocket because I'm afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. And tomorrow hasn't even come yet. But we're afraid, you know. So I learned that when I give it, it always come back. And God is my supplier anyway, and not that dollar that I'm holding on so tight to. Amen. Amen. Sarah, you, that was what you said about fear and money trying to coexist. Yeah, it, it doesn't work out well. And obviously the Lord calls us to live a, a life without fear. Having been married to a self-employed guy who lives in a very up-and-down industry, which I can completely relate to myself, what? just speak a little bit about kind of what you've learned in having you know, been, been a wife with a bunch of kids in, in, in a household that's in real estate, and so the money is flowing, and sometimes the money's not flowing, and talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, it's character building. No, I feel like just that whole, I mean, and this is all of our Proverbs too, just trusting the Lord first and foremost. The first step of knowledge is fear of the Lord, you know, and just recognizing that he, um, I trust in him, you know, I trust in Jesus. And in those moments where things look like, oh, um, who's on the list of houses for sale or houses, you know, and it looks kind of slim and we're like, okay, just trust in Jesus that next month people are going to need, you know, some business, but he is so faithful. He is so faithful. Um, controversial statement. I don't know if I believe that Proverbs is promises. I believe it's principles that were given to us as a reference to live our best life. Um, but there wouldn't be Ecclesiastes and Job, you know, if we didn't, if it did, if it did, if it all worked out every time, right? Um, but I know that as we have followed principles the best we can in giving and trying to set ourselves up in our lives so that we are prepared to give when needs arise that um, come to our ears and we feel the Holy Spirit prompting us, that's our goal, you know, is to be ready for those moments. And God has been faithful, you know, when he prompts our heart and we water someone else's garden, just as you were saying, he has, faith, has been faithful to water our garden too. Um, in our seasons, um, not only is our business changed, but our seasons change. We have five girls, um, ages five to almost 14, and their needs are growing and changing, and they care about clothes and activities and all of these things. But God has been faith. He sees, you know, I'm not, I love my husband and he's good at what he does, but my faith is not in um, his ability, even though he's great. My faith is in the Lord, and he has been just amazingly faithful. I think there's a temptation when those moments, um, don't we do the best we can and when things look um, a little bit bleak um, there's these temptations and I'll read a verse in Proverbs it's chapter 30 verse 8 he says um, keep deception and lies far from me give me neither poverty nor riches feed me with the food that is my portion that I not be full and deny you and say who is the Lord or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God and I feel like there's this temptation when things look like um 
I don't see what God's doing or it's not looking, I'm afraid, right? Or I'm not trusting. There's this fear to steal or just take, meaning take matters into my own hands to try to provide. Or there's this temptation to blame God and say, to forget about him and just say, ugh, God, God is so unfaithful. But God is faithful. And I think that it's important in those times to remember no fear because God is trustworthy. That's, that's great. And, you know, I think I'd like to uh, add something to this, and it's easy for me to do because I'm not on staff here, so you can get as mad at me as you want. <laughs> if, and, and I know that everybody sitting on this, on this panel believes in this and walks in this. What's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me? It's in tithing. It's in, it's in, right? And I'm not going to get into a big old thing on tithing, but tithing will unlock things. It absolutely will. Um, and you can, we can have lots of discussions at some other time about, you know, what a tithe looks like and how much it's supposed to be. Uh, con- commonly, it's believed to be 10%. Uh, it will unlock things. And, it, and you could say, well, you're testing God. Yep, and he said to. And that says it right in Scripture. So I would encourage everyone in here who struggles with tithing or isn't is not quite there or to take a deep long look at that and for me personally when i when i tithe when i do my my tithing um for me i pay myself every month so at the beginning of every month that for me is actually my single biggest act of worship it's bigger than any song that i'll sing on a sunday morning because for me i look at it and i go wow well, the government's already taken a big old chunk, and now God wants a big old chunk. And right there, it's the opportunity for me to go, stop. Stop. This is not just, and going back to Deuteronomy, not Ecclesiastes, going back to Deuteronomy, he is the source from which I'm able to do this. And for me to just jump online and click a few buttons, that is the most powerful act of worship for me all week. Because I'm taking that portion of my week and my blood and my sweat and my toil and the alarm clock at 5.30 and all of that and saying, God, this is yours. And sometimes it takes a while, and I'm not always perfect in it, to get to that point of saying, God, this is yours, and I'm choosing to worship you. I'm slowing down long enough to lose the attitude and come into alignment and agreement with what your scripture says about this whole process. So that's my exhortation. Can, can I, yeah, uh, and to that point, um, one thing else I see, people, I, I've done this in the past, is if you're not careful, we can say, okay, when I make X, I'll do X. Or I'll either spend X or give X or whatever. And I think God's calling all, us always to be where you at right now because you won't get to X without being faithful right at Y. Um, and the, other, the verse uh, that really speaks to this, Proverbs 11, 24, and 25, and Sarah hinted at it, is, you know, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. And I know, I'm sure every one of you can look back at your life at one point and say, I watered someone, and, and you saw the watering. It didn't, maybe, it wasn't an A plus B, but it came out of left field. It's God doing it. Yeah. We could keep on, keep on, keep on going, but there's another service behind us. So I would, on behalf of the entire church, panel members, Sarah, Colin, Sidron, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for 
Thank you for the time that you put into this. Denise, thank you for following a very quickly bouncing balls, bouncing ball with the visuals. And uh, with that, I'm going to hand this back over to Pastor Jonathan. Thank you all. <clears throat> Man, that was wonderful. Uh, there, there was so much there. Um, I knew where I wanted to come, and I'm going to lead us to the table here in just a moment. <clears throat> but the basis for everything that was said, being true and trustworthy, and as Sarah said, a principle for our lives, is that God always goes first. That there is nothing in our lives that God ever calls us to do before God models and paves the way and invites us into it. In Matthew chapter 6 here, well, it's right in the fold. <laughs> 619, this is a verse that we are all so familiar with. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. You can't control what thieves will do in your life. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in, only have two hands, and steal. And I think that the Lord is inviting us, as Sarah said so many times, to trust Him with our money. And not just our money, with the entirety of our lives. Next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach on our work. And some of the things that Sidron said today, I'm going to extrapolate and, and hit some of those points. To trust God with our work with our families, with our thoughts, with our energy, with our health, to trust the Lord and to place all of our treasures and to find all of our treasures in Him. And we know that God is trustworthy because He gave first, that He gave His only begotten Son. He sent His Son to live in the world among us where He was spared no trouble. Jesus suffered all kinds of suffering and all kinds of trouble. And we trust the Lord because he raised Jesus from the dead. In every area in our lives that looks dead and maybe in reality is dead, we can trust that the Lord is not done working yet. And it may not be until the fulfillment of all things in the end, we may die with many griefs and many grievances difficult things having happened to us, but we trust that the Lord is at work. And so I'd like to invite you to stand and come to this table, and we're going to receive the elements. This little plastic cup with a, with a wafer is a promise. This is the promise that all of God's other promises will come to fulfillment. So I would like you to come forward to uh, receive the body and blood of Christ and then take them back to your seat and we will partake together. Come to the table of the Lord.
we're almost prepared to, uh, to receive the elements together, I feel prompted to share something very briefly, and that is be reminded that God's faithfulness is not contingent upon your faithfulness. That your faithfulness is only possible because of God's faithfulness first. Now, I just was opening here to the story of the Last Supper and was prompted and reminded, you know who was at that table? Judas. Judas received the meal and also had his feet washed. That God goes before us knowing our mistakes, knowing how problematic it is to trust human beings and to entrust human beings with all the power and authority that comes with money and wealth. And yet he does it anyway. And his faithfulness empowers us to be faithful. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, let us receive the body of Christ broken for you and for me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Church, this is the blood of Christ shed for you and for me. Let us receive. Amen. We're going to sing the doxology, but I don't know if I can sing it in the key that David's playing in. So I can. I just, I wasn't sure if I could or not, and we weren't going to test my range here. So let's do it. Good call. Let's sing the doxology and be reminded that every good gift comes from the Father above. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. peace of the Lord. And as Sarah so aptly reminded us, may the fears that are very real in this world be eased and removed when the love and the peace of God fills us up. And I encourage you, go in the peace of the Lord and be light to every person that you come in contact with and be the generosity of God as we are ones who are given to the world. Go in peace and be reminded that there is popcorn in the lobby. (laughs) 